Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 84 and it is Tuesday, August 8th, 2017. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my social media chair and co-host, Carl Bird. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, man, we are back once again. Thank you for joining us. We are on Facebook Live, and um, if you're and if you're watching us right now, great. Or if you're watching us right now, when it's not really right now, if you're watching us the next day, then we're not really live. But y- you know what I mean. Yeah. But we thank you for listening and tuning in, nonetheless. Um, yeah, today we got we got a, got a few things to talk about. We got some uh, some a couple of reviews coming your way. Got some uh, headlines to talk about, and we're gonna be talking about some television shows from the past that uh, either we didn't like or shows that we used to like back in the day, but for some reason just don't hold up. Victor's gonna hate all your favorites, so get ready to become the villain. Well, now here's the thing. Now I will not be the super villain you know like like in our in our previous episode a few weeks ago when we were talking about old video games um if 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 by me being a villain means that i have a different opinion than most most of y'all then i so be it yes i'll wear that like a badge of honor yeah like i said prepare to be the villain all righty then so with that said uh mr bird what kind of villainy have you gotten into last week none <laughs> i literally <laughs> just been I've been working on some DJing stuff, uh, working on some blends for our upcoming possibly Codex mixtape that I'm going to put together for, y- for y'all. Okay. Um, so then, and I started reading the book based, be- based on um, the trailer that was uh, that came out last, what was it, two weeks ago? Mm. Two weeks ago at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I was highly impressed with the Ready Player One trailer. Mm. And I just said, you know what? Let me read the book. Um, I know a couple of my friends started reading the book. A friend of the show, Freddie, he recommended me. He recommended the book to me like a while ago, like sometime when it first came out. And I'm like, I would think I was reading something at the time, so I just said, you know, all right, I'll get to it eventually. Mm-hmm. So then, now that the trailer comes out, I mean, the movie won't come out till next year, but I'm like, you know what? That gives me plenty of time. I want to read this book. I want to see what's, you know, what the hype is. And um, I'm really liking it. I'm only in like chapter what nine or ten. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, it's it's um, it's pretty good. It's based uh, it based it takes place in the future where um, this game called Oasis basically kind of like just takes over the world. Mm. It's like our PlayStation Network, our Xbox Live, but like you're inside. You're like virtually inside it. Oh, so it's like so, the Matrix. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very very similar to the Matrix, but um. Hmm. And it's like it's pretty much like there's a lot of um, '80s references to it, because mm-hmm. the creator, the creator, of the I'm, I almost said the Matrix, the creator of Oasis died, and he he um, issues a game, like a challenge to where if you can receive, if you can retrieve these um, three keys, mm-hmm. you win his fortune, which was like. Two hundred forty billion dollars, I believe, and you get you um, achieve his money, mm. the Oasis fortune, his video game companies, and everything. So, um, oh wow! So mm. it follows. I don't even think he even says his name, but it's what the main character. He, it um, it follows him basically just trying to retrieve that. Mm. Okay. So I'm only in the beginning. I'm only in the beginning stages. So forgive me if this review is not that great. But I still recommend that you uh, start reading it, especially in time for the movie. So then, and I also caught the uh, WWE Network's Table for Three, which was entitled WCW versus NWO, and it featured uh, X Pac, DDP, and Scott Hall. Mm. All guys looking very well oh, nowadays. Um, 
Yeah. Looks like Xbox kicked whatever his habit now. He's no longer fat. Oh, wow. He actually has a six-pack again. <laughs> nice. Good for him. Um, if Deep. you watch the uh, Resurrected of Jake the Snake DVD, uh, Scott Hall's looking much better. Hmm. And DDP's looking better than all of them. And wow. he's older than all of them. <laughs> yeah, DDP yoga works wonders, y'all. I, well, I'm, I'm actually going to be starting that soon. Nice. High five, man. Boom. I yes, actually sir. plan on starting that. So that... Um, so doing that with my usual workout, um, pretty be good. I'll, I'll be looking pretty good. All right, all right. You know, you won't look like a. You look less bummy. That's what's up. I'm not bummy at all. So you say. All right, but that's good, man. That's you good. Talk. Hey, listen, man. Listen, my, my my style has improved considerably. Yes, it has improved. Can always use improvement. Yes, it has improved. D- don't don't put any qualifiers on that, Carl. Don't take away I'm my joy. It has improved. Yeah. It can always use improvement. We all can use improvement. Of course. All right, then. Don't take away my joy. All right. What's going on, cousin Jordan? <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, Jordan. So, um, other than that, that's pretty much it. And then just working on DJ blends. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's what's up. Yeah, it's a very low-key week for me. Mm, I hear that. I hear that. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that, that, that WWE is still making Table for Three episodes. Yeah, I know, because they, they always... I, that's just me. I always love listening to the OG stories, because they just tell the best stories. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm, I'm glad that... I'm also glad that the show is not a victim of their WWE budget cuts that they've been making. Yeah, because they're canceling good shows. Yeah, like Talking Smack. Uh, I catch it after 205 Live, but then I'm just like, all right, then I kind of... Switch over to whatever I want to put fall asleep on. Yeah, indeed. Usually I do fall asleep to that. But <laughs> All right, late. I'm tired. Catch me, catch me, you know, cut me some slack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're working what four jobs? Just two, just two. Wow, man. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's cool. So n- n- nothing else. Um, Jordan asked me how do I feel about Gran Turismo. Hmm. Um. I mean, it's worth uh, it's worth giving it a shot and you know checking out at Redbox. Uh, I was never really, the, I haven't really played seriously played a racing game since a the first one and Rad Racer. I was never really into racing games like that, but um, it was worth giving a shot to. Okay, is there a new Gran Turismo game out? Yeah, it's. I don't think it's out yet. It's supposed to be coming out though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, it was, it was, they um showed it on um at E three. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, um, I've only played uh, the first two Gran Turismo games for the PS One, and I've also played yeah, uh, played. yeah, and I've also played Gran Turismo Four. Uh, that was for the PS Two, um, which I thought I thought they were cool, like driving simulation games. I'm more of an arcade racer, uh, whereas the simulation is all about oh, you gotta switch the gears and all this, and it's like, eh. My my dad's like like that. I told him about Gran Turismo. He says I'm gonna need the steering wheel. It's a video game. I'm like, you don't, you do more than just that. But whatever. He said yeah. that for Grand Theft Auto too, and I'm like, you do more than just drive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My dad's old. Forgive him. Uh, I yeah, can't help it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, as for me, um, I've uh, I've actually watched a few movies. Uh, as per usual, um, one movie that I highly recommend uh, people check out, and it's a movie that's really timely. Uh, sadly, it's a movie called Detroit. I've been wanting to see that. Please tell me it's good. Detroit is excellent. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, I need it. Yeah, Detroit is an excellent movie. It's uh, the latest film, and I believe it's the 10th film, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, mm-hmm. who directed uh, The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. And uh, this film uh, it stars um, 
It stars, let's see, John, John Boyega, Boyega. Uh, Will, Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie, Augie Smith. Yep, Augie Smith. Uh, Will Poulter. Oh, we'll get into him in a bit. And uh, Hannah Murray, uh, who who who's best known as playing Gilly on Game of Thrones, Sam's girl. Uh, Love to see people on my favorite shows getting work. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, Detroit, it's a it's an it's an excellent docudrama, and it's a, a depiction of the uh, 1967 uh, 12th Street riots, mm-hmm. uh, most specifically the Algiers Motel incident. And um, to give you context, uh, during the 60s, uh, Detroit was a hotbed of racial tension that's been building up for decades and decades. And uh, due to like white flight, and you know, um, and and most and the majority of african-american community being confined into these ghettos which are like crowded and overpopulated and mind you the majority of the police force were pretty much like 90 percent white so you can imagine the amount of racism and attentions that were building up to that point definitely can yeah and and uh, what what sets off the riots were was when the police raided this uh blind pig which is uh which is known as like a like an illegal after hour spot. Mm-hmm. So the police come come in and they and they break up this party. Um and um apparently somebody and and the, and this is this is like the straw that broke the camel's back. So somebody throws a bottle at the cops and then next thing you know riots start breaking loose all around Detroit. Uh, uh, businesses are broken into, uh stores and buildings are 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 lit on fire. Um, black-owned businesses, in order in order to avoid the carnage, they would write uh, they would spray tag a soul brother on their uh, on their windows to to show solidarity with the rioters and the protesters. And uh, the national guard actually came in, and um, and, it's, and this is actually known as uh, I guess the third worst riot in American history, um, next to uh, the Rodney King riots and uh, New York draft riots in the 1800s. And um, and Rodney the, King riots was something. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, the centerpiece of this film is the Algiers Motel incident where uh, police ra- and the National Guard raided this hotel and uh, three three black kids were killed. Three black uh, ma- three black males, teenagers. And um, and to the to the film's credit, um, it, it pulls as much uh, true true life accounts and uh, and uh, facts on the case as it could, but because nobody really knows for sure what happened, how those three teenage boys got killed, a lot of it had to, uh, well not a lot of it, but a, a good amount of it had to be dramatized to kind of like um, you know provide a story. Yeah. And so, uh, so the film, so the film does uh, provide that disclaimer. But with that said, the the facts that we do learn about the case, man, it's upsetting. Like, like this film, this film turns into like a horror film because when these police, when the police raid this uh, hotel, the cop that 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 you know tortures that tortures these kids. This is this is actor Will Poulter. He's like this racist white cop who doesn't give a fuck he he definitely abuses his badge and like every time i saw him on screen like the way he treated the 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 patrons in the hotel and um you know hurling racial epithets at them torturing them mentally beating them physically with a shotgun and his fists and the and his and his racist racist ass buddy cops watching him and egging him on oh was the kid from we are the millers yeah from we're the miller we're the millers like yo this yo Will Poulter straight up no lie he deserves an Oscar nomination because when I saw him and I never seen Will, Will the Millers I think this is the first movie I've seen him in I was like yo fuck this guy man yo this guy's a fucking prick I want somebody to beat the shit I'm a, I was my blood pressure was building all with all the bullshit that he pulled well, in this movie he was movie. also in the Maze Runner have you seen that I haven't seen that no. uh, son, son of Rambo 
Haven't seen that either. Chronicles of Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treater. Haven't seen that either. No. The Revenant. Oh yeah, that's right. He was in the Revenant. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was tagging along with um, Tom Hardy, uh, I think unwillingly. But uh, but yeah, man. Yo, Whew. yo, Will Poulter, man. He was a fucking prick and a half in this movie. And I want, I, I just, I, I never wanted to see a character fucking get get it in a win the worst way so bad. Until there's another character that's almost as worse as him. Uh, his slimy, his slimy ass douchebag union rep lawyer, played by John Krasinski. Uh, I think you all know him, know him from Jim from The Office. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, oh man, that smarmy, that smarmy ass white lawyer who gets who who tries to get him off the case and gets him acquitted. Fuck that guy, man. Oh, fuck his character. You know, I mean, it's not ra- you know, you know, it's not racist. What? DBZ. Shout outs to Aris. God damn it, Aris. <laughs> God damn it, Aris. But um uh anyway, like the 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 whole film is is just unfortunately all too timely because like it's all about police brutality and racism and how those two conflate and how, you know, in the words of Martin Luther King, riots are the language of the unheard. And you definitely see that through through this movie. And I gotta say, this film is it's really upsetting. It's pretty depressing and Did it, you cry? I didn't cry. I left angry. I left pissed the fuck off, but in a good way because this movie deserves it should piss people off because this this these events took place in 1967 and mind you some a few of the key players from that incident are still alive to this day and 50 years later we're still talking about police brutality and racism as a matter of fact this movie could have could have been like a fictional film that that could have taken that could have been set in 2017 exactly the same and and and, and nothing would have really changed except for maybe like like fashion and whatnot and music but man detroit is definitely a, a an excellent film uh catherine bigelow and the screenwriter mark bold they did an excellent job the cast did an excellent job this is a film that people should definitely talk about it's one of the best films of the year and yo it's it's a film that it's it's incendiary it's timely it's upsetting but it's it needs to be seen and it needs to be talked about you need to pick me up i do need to pick me up okay well in that case Iris says, sounds like Vic needs to play that new D- DBZ fighting game to cheer up. Listen, man, we got until February 2018, all right? To But you are playing a fighting game yourself. I am playing a fighting game, man, thanks to you. I, I, currently, I am borrowing uh, Carl's copy of Tekken 7. And uh, Tekken 7 is actually pretty cool. Of course it is. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been playing the treasure mode. Um, I've been playing uh, with uh, some of the characters that are you know f- beginner friendly, like Horang. He's like my go-to. Um, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to master um, or try to get good with some of the more um, complex characters, like Master Raven, who's kind of difficult to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's another character? Uh, Nina Williams, uh, Gygus, who has an interesting look. Um, Yoshimitsu, and some of the and some of the newer ones, like like Asuka. I I, th- I think she's pretty Oscar's cool. Been in the, I think she's been in the franchise for a while. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Tekken Seven is pretty cool. Um. You know, it's it's a it's you know typical you know for me fighting game problems where you gotta sit down and memorize like literally hundreds of combos and button combinations you and pull them off. Necessarily have to memorize them. You just that that's what the move list is for. Yeah, but the move list is like literally like 100 to 200 moves or combos per character. Okay, find a couple that work for you and then just just. Have at it. Yeah, but then it and but then I devolves into my current my other problem with fighting games like button mashing. Just like oh shit, we'll do what works to win the match. You know? There's no really no flow, no technique, like like some professional players, you know? 
you have to develop you have to develop them. I know. That's what, that's what practice is for. I know. Pr- yeah, pra- practice. <laughs> Not the game. Practice. Yeah, right. Allen Iverson reference. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, is he still playing ball? Who? Allen Iverson. No, he's in the Hall of Fame now. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Tekken Sevens is cool. And uh, another uh, pick me up that I do recommend. Uh, it's a really good book that I've actually finished. Uh, and this is a uh, Justin Roberts' uh, best seat in the house. Your backstage pass through my WWE journey. And this is a book book by a former WWE ring announcer, uh, Justin Roberts, and he talks about his experiences uh, in the WWE and how he got there. And um, I highly recommend reading this book. You can actually borrow it if you want. I will once I finish reading uh, Ready Player One. Yeah. Um, what I really like about this book is uh, Justin Roberts' passion and enthusiasm for professional wrestling. Like He's been a lifelong fan since he's a kid. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how you know he wanna, he always wanted to be a ring announcer. Like, he, he talks about the craft behind it and how it's not as easy as people say it is. Like He talks about like the nuances of ring announcing, like announcing uh, heels, and faces in, heels and faces in a certain way, in a different way. Um, like certain how to make matches sound bigger or match results pop and really resonate with the fans and, and things like that. Um, he talks about some some things too, like with ring announcing, like uh, how how he has no cue card. None of the ring announcers, like him and Garcia, have no cue cards at all. Like they have to memorize uh, wrestlers' weights and hometowns. Everything. Everything, and sometimes it changes changes on the fly. And what what also struck me about the book was his experiences in the WWE and how. Like his lifelong dream, his passion kind of was diminished year after year because of how he was treated and how and the things that he saw in the company, how creatively uh, WWE basically rested on their laurels to the point where it became a mediocre product in many respects. Um, Some of the things that he talked about in the book were, um, for example, JBL. He talks about how JBL is a, you know, a, a vicious and infamous bully which we've heard in, in, in wrestling for years, but he talks about uh, how he would browbeat and, um, and just belittle other wrestlers, especially him, uh, Roberts in this case, where he would tell him to kill himself or, oh, why are you still alive? Go fucking commit suicide or things like that. Um, and Roberts also talks about a really evil rib that he thinks JBL did, or if not somebody associated with him, where his passport was stolen from him while they were in England. And... He could never. He never found out who stole it, and he actually had to go to the uh, U.S. Embassy in Manchester, England, just to get a new passport. And then he had to fly all the way to New York to get to kind of like finish the process of getting a new one. And he never found out who stole it. And apparently, I think um, according to Roberts, uh, John Hennigan or John Morrison, not not currently Johnny Nitro on Lucha Underground, actually confirmed that JBL was trying to encourage him to steal the passport, and he said no. And uh, he also talks about a bit of his experiences working with Kevin Dunn, the executive producer, who a lot of people in the industry don't like, for ex- especially Jim Cornette. And who was that? Kevin Dunn. He's the exec- okay, yeah. yeah, the executive producer for for WWE programming. And he also he also talks about how Kevin Dunn is basically not a, a, a kind of a shitty person, like um, somebody who is there because he's basically basically Vince McMahon's number one stooge, and he basically has a job for life. Uh, Current rumor is when once Triple H and Stephanie McMahon f- officially take the reins from Vince, Kevin Dunn might be one of the first people on his way out. But that's that's time 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 will tell. Uh, he also talks about um, Triple H as well and how uh, Triple H is a guy whose on screen persona you can see a lot of his real personality in in his real his TV persona. According to Justin Roberts, how Triple H is a guy who's fundamentally insecure. 
and how he always has to get like sarcastic digs and and you know you know like jabs at people for no reason even if it's like the most innocuous uh, moment because he always wants to like kind of reassert himself reassert himself as like the biggest player in the game like the guy that you got to respect and he's got to take you down a peg even if you're just having a conversation with him which i thought was pretty interesting and you know kind of says a few things um uh, a couple things in the in the book which i won't which i won't spoil uh, he does talk about uh wwe's um uh, ethical, ethically uh, dubious business practices, especially when it comes to philanthropy. Like, if you remember in WrestleMania 30, that uh, that uh, kid, uh, Connor, uh, Connor McCallick, McCallick, the, yeah. the crusher. Um, uh, the reason why WWE even even worked with Connor McCallick was was that Justin Roberts himself was the first and only person to actually reach out to him and his family. Like, he saw him one day at uh, one of the shows, and he actually and Justin Roberts, he's a guy who like he's kind of like a very like a giving, very help, helping, helpful personality. Mm -hmm. So he actually saw what he saw him and his family at one of the shows, and he actually encouraged him to, you know, actually introduce him to some of the guys backstage and the personalities. And um, he actually introduced Daniel Bryan to him. And uh, through uh, Robert's efforts, he actually got WWE to notice uh, Michaelic. And uh, and and the way WWE handled it, like they went, they underwent a bit of revisionist history where they kind of used Connor's uh, image as like their as like their face over their, like their philanthropy efforts, like reaching out to like um like the Make a Wish Foundation. Well, they always been well WWE has always been involved with the Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah, like, for it, like years. Oh yeah, like 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 they've always been involved, but they've but they've tried to use him as they've used his his image in a way that's sort of like uncomfortable, like they like like for philanthropic purposes, like for other or similar organizations, like Make a Wish. Yeah. And um, and the and the way and the way they used Michaelic's story was it made it look like Triple H and Stephanie were the ones who actually came up with the idea, yeah. whereas it was actually Roberts who came up with the idea, and Roberts got no credit at all. David, they're notorious for that. Like JBL was actually um, for the you know the tribute for the, for the troops shows yeah. that they always have. JBL was actually the one to come up with that. Oh wow, really? I did not know that. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, hey, well, even a bully can can have some redeeming qualities every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, like, um, like some of the things that he talks about in the book, like that kind of, um, you know, it, it kind of diminishes like my, your appreciation of WWE, even though, even though I'm still a fan, um, like some of the things it's like, like, I've like, like, Sometimes like, you gotta like take I, the bad with the good. Yeah. Kind of. One of those situations. Yeah. And, and also too, like, I definitely appreciate, uh, uh, the WWE personnel, not just the wrestlers, but like the referees and the ring announcers and the ring crew, like be, for their hustle because their travel schedule is straight up brutal, and like, th and the fact that WWE that that to this day they're still all most of them are still considered independent contractors and not actual employees and they get no benefits and they have that horrible travel schedule. It's like, man, I can see how how anybody's how the mo even the most passionate person. Of, of wrestling or WWE can just totally check out and not want to work for them ever, ever again, much like Roberts eventually uh, did. But yeah, I do recommend checking out Justin Roberts' book, Best Seat in the House. You'll learn a lot of great stuff. You come away with an appreciation for uh, not only the business of, of, not only like the hustle that these wrestlers and personalities go through, but also Robert's story himself. And it also is pretty inspirational too. Like follow your passion, follow your dreams. And you know, there's no conventional way to get to where you want to be oh yeah embrace the hustle that's what i always say um okay going back to the live feed uh jordan wants to know how do we feel about nintendo switch games um 
I had I don't I don't I, I don't own a Switch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't ne- never really played one. I watch a, I watch some some people play them. Zelda looks fun. It um, does. It does, but like I haven't I haven't really found a couple of games that I haven't really been sold to actually get one yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same same here. Like Breath of the Wild, I've heard nothing but like praise about. And I really do want to play Breath of the Wild, but no matter how good a game is, one game cannot justify the purchase of a whole console. So, unless Nintendo steps their uh, game, steps their quality up and quantity well, up, then eh, can't really. Well, I'm get still waiting it. to hear more on the uh, new si- the new Sonic game that's supposed to be coming out for them. Mm. And then um, I don't know. I've never really actually seen people outside playing it. Hmm. Like I that's think most of the time when they when they travel with their with their switches, mm-hmm. it's usually just to the bathroom and back. Huh. You know, that's true. Come to think of it, I haven't seen anybody outside with the Switch myself. Like, I'd see people with, like, their DS, but not an actual... See little kids with DSs. I'm like, I'm not going to trust... No, I'm not going to trust a little kid with a whole Switch outside. You know? Yeah, because, you know, it's, like, too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But, yeah. John Aponic's watching, too. So, and he's like, John Cena has the record for the most Make-A-Wish granted... Make-A-Wish granted... Oh, granted, make uh, yeah, granted, make a wish. Yeah, oh, I thought it was possibly more now. I thought was, I thought it was like in the upper thousands, but <laughs> oh wow, hey, I, I believe it. But yeah, um, that's about it. Uh, let's get into these uh, news headlines and whatnot. Let's. Uh, first, which I'll talk about is uh, HBO. Um, they're uh, the Game of Thrones showrunners, uh, David Benioff and DB Weiss. Uh, they're actually uh, planning a new series after Game of Thrones called Confederate. And it's ge- engendered a lot of controversy on the yes, interwebs. Yes, it did. Uh, for those yes, who- it did. Yeah, and we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss announced plans to launch Confederate after the end of Game of Thrones. And uh, this show, the reason why it's controversial is that this show will depict an alternate reality where the South actually seceded from the Union post-Civil War. And it gives rise to a society where slavery has evolved and continues to exist to this day. You can imagine how controversial that is. Yeah. Um, uh, Weiss and Benioff are also working with uh, fellow Confederate executive producers and writers, uh, Malcolm Spellman and Nichelle Tramble Spellman. Uh, they both respectively have worked on Empire and The Good Wife. Um, the announcement of the show has already generated controversy on social media with, with the hashtag NoConfederate, um, which con- with concerns over the potentially exploit- exploitative premise of the show. And, um, and it also... Uh, uh, also, some criticisms have also been levied at D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, given their handling of non-white characters on Game of Thrones as well. Uh, the Twitter hashtag NoConfederate has also been created by uh, public speaker April Rain, who famously launched the uh, hashtag OscarSoWhite campaign uh, last year. Uh, Rain also encouraged Twitter users to use the No Confederate hashtag in last week's episode of Game of Thrones, and the hashtag became the number one and number two trending topic on the platform. Um, also, uh, there was a, there was an, there was an exclusive interview on Vulture with uh, all four executive producers talking about their plans and their ideas for the show. Now, um, have you, have you any thoughts about this Confederate show coming up? I don't think I'm, okay, I'm a Game of Thrones, I'm definitely a Game of Thrones fan. Mm -hmm. Um, this episode was fire, by the way. Literally. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... No, I don't think this would be a show that I just wouldn't want to see and wouldn't want to put into my spirit. 
Like, mm. I don't know. It just, it's just something I'm like, I don't think I really want to see that. Yeah. Like, any particular reason why or what kind of strikes you about it? I, it, it just feel like because back then it was just like, you know, America was like it's such a dark place. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, um, you know, slavery, you know, slavery was such a dark time within, you know, in black history. So I don't think anybody, I don't think I would want to, like, just relive that. Mm. Yeah, especially if it's set in the present day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, we're already going through enough as it is. Mm. So it's like, I don't really want to, I don't want to give it that. I just don't want to really give it my energy. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I'm all for Game of Thrones. You know, mm. even with the lack of black characters, that that doesn't bother me. Yeah. Like, I just... It's just one of those things I just don't care. Like, this mm-hmm. show's just good regardless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, as for No Confederate, I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll be tuning in on that. Yeah, like, um, like I'm all for, like, audacious ideas and some that may be controversial. But, uh, with Confederate, I think it's a little, it strikes me as a little tone deaf because, like, you don't have to depict a reality where the South, uh, seceded from the Union or, you know, and slavery exists to this day because when you think about it, the South lost the Civil War, but they didn't really lose the Civil War because, like, you know, think because with slavery became came the rise of Jim Crow, and and now we have you know for past fifty decades or well five decades or so or more we've had mass incarceration, which have which has seen a an unprecedented rise of uh, black men and women, mostly black men in prisons, black and brown folk, and. You've got a lot of people who are caught up in that system, and then you have police brutality on top of that. Yeah, it's definitely the wrong time to even do something like that. So if yeah. anything, just take the safe route and scrap it. You know? Yeah, like 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 it like, like if it, if it would, it'd be one thing if they were if it was like a like a quasi documentary series like a, like a what if thing. Y- yeah, like, yeah, something like that. I would be up for, but. But then the only good thing I'm saying, the only th- good thing about this is that it's bringing up conversation. It does. It, that's that's the only thing I can say. Yeah, it, it, I say it, it does bring up good conversation, uh, but also the one of the big reasons why I'm not comfortable with this with the Confederate show and the premise is that in the South you have a lot of people who fetishize the Confederate flag. Yeah, like the Confederate flag is a horrible hate. It's a hate symbol, much like the swastika. The Nazi swastika, and in fact, in Germany, the Nazi swastika is banned anywhere, especially oh, except really? in like in Germany. Yeah, except like in history textbooks, like or in classrooms. Yeah. Like for example, like the game, the like the Wolfenstein games, mm-hmm. like they're they're edited in Germany, so you don't see the swastika. Oh damn. Yeah, it's replaced like with like a whole other symbol, but like here, like the the Confederate flag is like a symbol of like oh rebellion heritage not hate no motherfucker it's a hate symbol let's 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 be real folks and then you have people some people in the south who want to engage in revisionist history like with like civil war reenactments depicting what if the south won and it's like nah that's mad that's uncomfortable as fuck man and and really really slavery what what if slavery exists to this day are you for real do we really want to fetishize slavery with all the shit that's going on with with police brutality and and ki- cops killing unarmed black folk, nah, come on. I mean, I I, I respect uh, Benioff and Vice as as showrunners as creative uh, writers, but they should know better. And even and even and even even with uh, uh, uh Malcolm Spellman and Nicole Tramble Spellman, even though you know they're black artists and writers, that doesn't that doesn't really help the cause. So I'd rather not see Confederate make the airwaves in my view. 
It's it's too tone deaf of an idea. All right, can we please some? Let's bring up something positive. Yeah, let's bring up something even more positive. Let's talk about this uh, new Death Wish trailer that just dropped, starring Bruce Willis, <laughs> directed by Eli Roth. Um, mm, Death Wish. I actually just watched it like before we started, before we aired. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching like the original Charles Bronson Death Wish movies. Yeah, I really I was a kid, so I had no idea what they were. I just saw him as just some badass motherfucker, like killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Willis just doesn't seem like that badass motherfucker named Charles Bronson that I watched as a kid. Yeah, like he just doesn't. It doesn't seem like it seems very lighthearted to me. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I I don't know if I, if lighthearted is the right is the word that I would use, like. The, the, watching this trailer, and, and this trailer played before I watched Detroit in theater, in the theater, and I was cringing in my seat because talk about tone deaf stuff. This is this is like, do you really want to? Okay, so let me get this straight. This new Death Wish remake stars Bruce Willis, who plays an old white dude wearing a hoodie, shooting shooting black folk in Chicago. I mean, do you not see the? Do you not see how? How horrifying that idea is! <laughs> I really didn't put. I didn't really think about that until well, I did not think about that while I was watching the trailer. Yeah, man. Like just just a visual of. Okay, first of all, like like the hoodie is like a is is like seen as a as a criminal criminal uh, attire, especially if, if if young black men wear it. But you see this old white dude walking around the hood wearing a hoodie. Shooting people like a like a goddamn vigilante, like he's Max Payne. Oh, he is a vigilante. He is a vigilante. Yeah, yeah, but it's like this is one of the most out of touch ideas. Like, like are you are you kidding me? Only uh, like only a white director and a white writer could come up with that shit and not think about the racial uh, implications yeah, and the potentially. Sure they did not think about it. I didn't even think about it when I was looking at the trailer. Yeah. Um, am I gonna watch it? Probably not. I'm not gonna watch it either. I mean, this, this is like this. This this is something that should be banished to like straight straight to Redbox Hell, where Bruce Willis has resided in the past few years. Yeah, he's made a lot of straight to Redbox films, man. I can't think of any right now, so I'll just take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. Like he made one called Once Upon a Time in Venice or something like that. But yeah, he's got his money. <laughs> yeah, but Death Wish, nah, nah, dude, no, absolutely not. Move on, please. Yeah, let's move on to something. <laughs> now let's finally move on to something positive. You sure? Yes, I'm positive. All right. Positively positive. All right. All right. Let's go. All right. So uh, uh, in positive news, uh, Netflix has pur- purchased Miller World. Uh, uh, comic book writer Mark Miller, who uh, who famously wrote Old Man Logan, uh, he announced that Netflix has purchased his comic book company Miller World, which is Netflix's first official acquisition. And... Uh, the, uh, Miller World had they published a series such as uh, Wanted, uh, Jupiter's Circle, Huck, Starlight, Chrononauts, just to name a few, and they also published Kickass and Kingsman. I love Kingsman. Can't wait to see this new one. Yeah, the new one should be fire. I like the first one. Although uh, Kingsman and Kickass are not part of this Netflix deal, I think because the movies, you know, movie rights and whatnot, they already exist. So um, yeah, but. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm interested in seeing what uh, Mark Miller can bring to the table and Netflix. I know John Haponic is not the biggest Mark Miller fan, uh, and and you know to be honest, damn, he hates everything good. Well, to be fair, like I I really like Old Man Logan a lot, but I really I I'm, I don't care for Kick Ass. 
I actually never seen Kick Ass. Yeah, you're not really missing Kingsman. anything. I'll check it out. Man. Uh, Kingsman was mediocre. Kingsman was pretty dope. It, Kingsman was a fun movie, and it had a cheeky ending. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, and and I'll definitely check out um the. I went to the movies and saw that one. I actually had a great time too. Mm. Yeah. I I I watched I watched it on Blu-ray and you know I, I really liked it. I'll, I'll check Kick out the Ass, second one. Okay. Yeah, Kyle Chapman says Kingsman was mediocre and Kick Ass was great. Nah, I'm gonna check. I gotta check out Kingsman. I gotta and unexpected. I I'll check out Kick Ass. I gotta check out Kick Ass. Parts one and two. Yeah, well, I, I watched the first one and I, I I really liked the idea. It had a good idea, but the execution was kind of blah to me. But you know, you can agree to disagree on that score. Yeah, it happens all the time on this show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what's next on here? Uh, yes, yeah, so next next news. Uh, Daniel Craig will return as James Bond, uh, despite his uh, initial uh, claims that he would rather slice, slice his wrists than star in another Bond film. Uh, and after Daniel Craig has confirmed with Eon Productions and MGM, and he will return for the next Bond film, which will be his fifth outing in the franchise. Uh, Bond producers Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli will oversee the film, and screenwriters Neil Purvis and Robert Wade will write the script, and they previously wrote all four of Daniel Craig's Bond films. Uh, there's no word on who's going to be directing the next movie, although Christopher Nolan has expressed an interest along the way. I would love, I would, I really would like to see a Christopher Nolan James Bond movie. Yeah, I, yeah me too. I would like to see his, his style. You know, but he changes minds pretty much. Yeah. It does. It does. And I hope that, uh, that that his next Bond film will be much better than Spectre because Spectre was pretty disappointing. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure. Have, have you seen any I of the any of the Cra- Dino Kring Bond films? I have not. Really? Yeah, I have not. Okay. Uh, I, I always said, like, yeah, I want to watch it. I want to watch it. Just never got around to see it. Okay. Start off with uh, Casino Royale. Which is his first one, uh, Quantum of Solace. It was Quantum of Solace gets a bad rap, but I thought it was a good sequel, uh, although it has it's kind of flawed. But Skyfall is his best one, hands down. That's the third movie he it's did. The one that Adele did the song for, right? Yeah, and Javier Bardem plays the villain. That movie is awesome. That's that's I think that's my that's my favorite Bond film, in fact. Yeah. I'm up for it. How do you guys feel about Call of Duty World War Two? I like Call of Duty. It's fun. I'll check it out. Oh, okay. So Call of Duty, I think I saw that it's returned to its World War II roots. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think everything old is new again. Pretty uh, much. Yeah. And uh, last last headline here, which kind of dovetails into our main topic, Hulu has acquired ABC's TGIF lineup. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Hulu will provide Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step, Perfect Strangers, and Hanging with Mr. Cooper on September 29. Hulu is also currently working on acquiring the streaming rights to The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, if they do that, like, I'll never leave the house. I can watch Fresh Prince, like, over and over again. Oh, yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite sitcoms right there. You cannot hate on Fresh Prince. No, you can't. Yeah. That is actually timeless. Yeah, you know, I used to have a crush on both Tatiana Ali and Karen Parsons. I still do. I st- oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, they still look good. Uh, yeah. Uh, speak- and that kind of dovetails into our, t- our main topic, which is, Carl, you want to take it away? Kind of set the scene? All right, so, you know, we at the Codex Prime Podcast, we always like to dive into our favorites. But once again, we're giving you guys some snout. Mm, some chitlins. TV chitlins. <laughs> <laughs> Some people like, some people like. Fresh Prince was terrible. Kyle, come on, bro. Dude, 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 bro, bro, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kyle, listen, 
People talk about me being a supervillain. Nah, you are the supervillain. You are the supervillain MVP. Okay, he said he was joking. He said he was joking. All right, yeah. He said he was joking. All right, I'm about, I'm about right. to go ham. I'm All about right. to reach through that, that web, webcam and, you know, strangle you. But okay, cool. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about our, um, our throwback TV shows that we just did not like. Yeah, and also uh, television shows that we used to like, shows that had a spark when they started, but at the end, they just became garbage. Okay. So, um, I think I started off um, one show I did not like, Even Stevens. Hmm. I've never actually watched Even Stevens. You have no problem. You ain't missing nothing. Yeah, what was that? Who was in that show? What was it about? Um, Shia LaBeouf, and he had a sister, and it just didn't like... I just didn't like it. I was just like, eh, mm. this show's stupid. And that yeah. was it. Yeah, I think that was on the Disney Channel. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah, okay. That um, You probably may disagree with this with me on this one, but I didn't like Growing Pains. Growing Pains? Never really watched Growing Pains either. I watched a handful of episodes, but not enough to really really, uh, really have, a, have an opinion. Was that the one with uh, Tony Danza? No, that's Who's the Boss. Oh, okay. Um, Growing Pains was Alan Thicke. Kurt Cameron, Leonardo oh. DiCaprio was in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kurt Cameron. Oh my god. He he turned into like a a, a yeah. Cra- he's a really he's a like pastor now. Yeah, he's like a hyper religious Jesus nut. Just say pastor, Jesus. No, no, because like like he's he, like he's batshit crazy with his beliefs, man. He's a pastor. I'll just leave it at that. Everybody's entitled. Hey, whatever. Whatever makes you, you know, whatever whatever makes your life better, I'm all for it. He's homophobic too. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you know me. I try. I try to have fun. I don't want to get into all that. All right. Now, um, this one I'm definitely gonna get cut. No, he's a cult leader. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. As my boy Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. He is a cult leader. Like. Like you go go watch some of his videos on YouTube and the, and the and the dude the dude is tapped man he's tapped. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. I'll, you're gonna cuss me out for this one. I guarantee. It. All right. What, what you got? I never liked Seinfeld. I I've never really watched Seinfeld, so there you go. <laughs> well, I'm probably gonna get a lot of hate for this one too uh, on the Facebook Live, but yeah, I did not like Seinfeld. Now, how come? This is interesting. I want to hear this because Seinfeld was like one of the most popular, if not the most popular yeah. sitcom of the '90s. Yeah, I just didn't get into it. Now, like, what, like, what was it about? What was it? What was about the show that didn't really pique your interest? I'm just, I, I just couldn't get into. it. I really just couldn't get into it. I just, the at that time, you know, the joke, the jokes weren't funny to me. There was mm-hmm. just a, it was just a little too corny. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the humor is definitely on the dry side. You know, something that's very like. Oh, okay, there's other people that didn't like the show. Mm. So I appreciate it, Eddie, Kyle, Jordan. Yeah, and plus, like you know, I mean, it definitely had. It's infamous for having one of the worst, one of the most po- poorly regarded series finales as well, where they all ended up in prison. Well, not prison, but jail. That was it. Yeah, because they end up because it turns out it turns out that they're all horrible people. Yeah, and but the thing is, I think Jerry Seinfeld is actually pretty funny. He is. Like, as a comedian, I just did not like the show. Yeah, I mean, the, the show is a, definitely an acquired taste. Like, if you're a fan of like dry humor and just like um like in jokes and all that. Although I will say that uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus is fine. Yeah, she is. Yeah, and I st- and I still really the need. The Adventures of the New Adventures of Old Christine. 
Okay. I think that's the name of the show, but mm. and she's also on. She does, and I also like. Uh, I also really need to get into Veep, her show on HBO. I saw it. But I didn't. I I don't know if I'll get into it. I'll let you do it and let you review it. Yeah, I'll do that for sure. You didn't represent both of us on that one. Yeah, and um, uh, oh, and I was gonna say like Michael Richards as Kramer. You know how? Remember that inf- infamous incident back in 06? Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention. So I was like, you know what? He's gonna catch out. I haven't really seen him in shit either. Yeah. And the only thing, the only per- come to think of it, the only person that really had anything like a substantial career was Julia Louis Dreyfus, and to a certain extent, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. How about them apples? And we're apparently we're not missing much uh, with Veep, according to Kyle. Well, I don't know, Kyle. Kind of, it kind of struck me as a bit of a contrarian. So I'm a watch, and I'm a judge for myself, because I like, I like, you know, I'm into politics and political humor. So that yeah, bullshit. Hey, listen, man. Listen, if although if, although House of Cards is good, uh, House of Cards is definitely good. But I still need to get back upon that one. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, for some reason, I tr- I tried to pick up that show again after uh, after the second season. I just can't get into it anymore. I don't know why. Uh, the show's missing that something for me. I don't know, but I'll, I'll give it another shot though. Yeah, you still gotta watch Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'll pr- I'll prior- prioritize that over House yeah, of Cards. Now that you now that um. Curtis Parvin, who was there last week, mentioned that it has a lot to do with Shakespeare, which it does. Mm. Yep, I can see that. That probably tickled your fancy a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like having my fancy tickled. By all means. <laughs> Listen, you you go ahead and do that. Yeah. Um, on your own time. Uh, Space Cases. Oh, snap. I remember that show uh, on Nickelodeon. I stopped watching Snick. Um, you know what? I liked Space Cases. I did. Couldn't do it. For, didn't do it for me. Although uh, it just seemed like a cheap kitty Star Trek. I mean, it it it, it was. It, I mean, I give I give you that. It was like a like a sort of cheap kid Star Trek, but it was a show that like I liked. You know, I, I mean, I couldn't get into. it. I actually stopped watching Snick. Really? Because of that, I didn't get really get into it until all that and Keenan and Kel came. Hmm. And yeah, until all that came into the mix, I did hmm. not watch Snick anymore. I mean, okay, um, but I, I will say with space cases. I mean, I think the the dumbest moment for me on the show was where it was. I think it was at the end of the first season where one of the main characters, this girl, died, and then like like throughout the first season, she kept alluding to an imaginary friend that she talked to, and everyone was thought she was joking. But then once she died, the imaginary friend actually ha- actually popped out in real life, fully formed. And then, and it turned out that like the original character that died became her new imaginary friend. You ain't, you ain't missing nothing. That it was really weird. Yeah, I just couldn't get. I was like, nope, nope. Hmm. I just, I just turned on Nintendo at that time. Yeah, Cat Dog, I did not like. Yeah, I didn't get into that either. Cat Dog encouraged the cowardly dog. Hmm. Yeah, I remember the curse. It was just too weird. It was just weird to me. Those shows were just weird. Hmm. Yeah, like, and just Cat Dog. How did they poop? That's what I was gonna say, like, cause like one end was a cat and one the other end was a dog. Yeah, so it was like how it just it was just weird to me. It just looked like weird. Yeah. Not be Seattle. It wasn't. It was like some weird like genetic uh, yeah. experiment gone horribly wrong, and then it's like you wonder how they procreate. Like, is 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 one is one end the giver and the one end the receiver? And it's like I don't Are they get. Even currently having sex in the bar. <laughs> like you wouldn't even know. Like. Yeah. This is weird. Encourage the colleague like that Doug did not suck. Doug did not suck, Kyle. Did he say Doug sucks? Yeah. Yo, yo, listen, listen. You need to slow your roll. Doug was the shit. I, I really like Doug. 
What was that? No, no um, my friend is like, I'm telling Keith, because Keith used to like cat dog. I did not like cat dog. I just couldn't get into it. Mm. And Curse the Cowley Dog, like, was an acid trip to me. Yeah, it kind of like it kind of had that um that weird dry weird slash dry humor like Rocco's Modern Life, or like oh, Rocco's Modern Life was good. Yeah, still is. Yeah. But um, okay, so there's two two shows that I did watch, mm-hmm. but they definitely would not hold up today. Okay. They wouldn't even hold. They they were in the '90s. They didn't even hold hold up in 2000. Yeah. VR Troopers. Oh my god, I remember that show. <laughs> and Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Holy shit. Oh my god. You yo, know, Power Rangers was a shit back in the day and it had a slew of like Power Rangers knockoffs. Those two were like yeah. are the are two of the worst ones. Um man, I remember VR Troopers, man. Professor I think it was like Professor Hart was like their Voltron and stuff. It was just yeah, or or Zordon, I think. Yeah, they have Zordon. Yeah, yeah that, my bad. Yeah, my bad. It just wasn't. It is like they tried too hard to be to catch up to what Power Rangers were doing, and it just could not happen. Yeah, I don't like, even think it lasted like one season. I think it lasted a couple of seasons at the very least. Um, Big Bad Beetleborgs, I didn't like either. Did I? That sounds familiar. I don't know if I've. It seen was that. on Fox. Okay. There was another show. There was another Power Rangers ripoff too that came out around the mid '90s. It was a. Uh, it was on the USA Network. It was called Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills, and it looked even cheaper than VR Troopers and Sam. It, it made VR Troopers and, and Superheroes Samurai Cyber Squad, whatever it's called. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. It made those shits look like Avatar in comparison. <laughs> that was how cheap that show was. I don't even remember it. Yeah, and apparently, like, um, in, in, that, in that show, Tattooed Teenage Beverly Hill Fighter Men, Women, whatever, I forget the name of it already, like, their Zordon was, like, literally a blob, a green blob. That, that was it. Was it live action? It was live action, and you could tell it took place on a soundstage. It was horrible. <laughs> I, don't re- I do not remember that one. Nah, nobody, I, I'd be surprised if anybody would, because it was on the USA Network. USA, I think USA. Well, USA only had like one cartoon. Yeah, and I actually liked it. Oh, which one? Which one was that? Duckman. Oh yeah, I remember Duckman. Yeah, yeah. But no, I do not remember that one. I have to Google that one. I have to Google that now. Yeah, Google it. There might be. There probably would be some clips on YouTube. You'll you'll be sh- amazed at how cheap as shit it looks. Woo. Well, but that's my short list. Mm, okay. That really that was that was it was short. Yeah, that was a short list of shows. I liked a lot of shows. Hey, I did too. Um, as for my list, uh, my list, my list tends this is gonna be good. My list tends to more modern shows, but there is one '90s show that I want to talk about that that me, you, and I'm sure a lot of our friends used to like as kids. It was probably one of our most beloved sitcoms. Mm-hmm. But this is a show that, for me, as the years went on, when I got older, I, I, I revisited episodes. And I realized that this show doesn't really quite hold up. Oh, God. It kind of sucks in several ways. It does not suck. The show that I'm referring to, the show that doesn't hold up is Family Matters. Family Matters still holds up. Family Matters if does Family not. Family Matters mm-mm. did not hold up, why, is, why does Hulu have it now? I'm gonna why t- is it still in syndication? Well, let me tell you something right now. Family Matters is a show that 
Okay, it's a show that that defines jumping the shark. This show became goddamn ridiculous. It went from an ordinary sitcom, which which uh, which admittedly started off boring until Steve Urkel hijacked the show, and it became the Urkel and Them show. It should have been called Urkel and the Family, but this show went. This show devolved. The show went south when they replaced Harriet. No, no, no! It went, it went south way beyond that. It went way beyond that. That sh- no, this show went. On, this show. Man. This show went from. Urkelbot. This sh- hold on. Urkelbot. This, this is this is one of my problems. Who's played by Who's played by Turbo from Breaking? I. <laughs> listen, listen. Family Matters went from an ordinary sitcom to a to a goddamn ridiculous science fiction fantasy show. How do, Steve Urkel was basically Tony Stark and a Matt slash Mad Scientist. Yeah, it was on. awesome. That was awesome, dog. The transformation chamber when they when him and Carl turned into Bruce Lee, you you are not gonna tell me that wasn't dope. That shit was we got that shit was hilarious. that shit was I we goddamn ridiculous. We goddamn ridiculous. That whole show was we goddamn. Matter of fact, matter of fact, you watch Key and Peele, right? I I know you're referring to you're about to refer to the Carl Winslow skit. Yeah, the, I I have not seen it. That Carl Winslow skit nails it. Where basically where uh, where Jordan Peele plays Reginald Vell Johnson or Carl Winslow, and he basically talks runs down how ridiculous the show became. What was it the show? The show became goddamn Quantum Leap. We had a show. You had a series where where Steve Urkel created a goddamn time machine, <laughs> and he and he and Carl Winslow traveled back in time to like the 1700s, where they ended up on a goddamn pirate ship. What the I fuck? Remember. That was fun. That and, was. Fine. And then you had Steve Urkel. He he creates a teleportation. That, see, even John, even John, even John. Hopefully, he agrees with me. Urkelbot. Urkelbot. Come on. I mean, the, the the turbo from breaking thing. I mean, that kind of gives that 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 is hilarious. But come on, Urkelbot. That was that was that was ridiculous. But that was one of the most. That was one of the least ridiculous things. Also, new addition on the show. They, oh, were they were they like performing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they was... performed and it. Yeah, they performed. They went to a new edition concert, but uh-huh. because Car- Carl and Harriet missed it. Because yeah. um she was they were taking care of the um to the kids at the time one mm-hmm. of them plays on like all my children or something now yeah and um so new edition came to the house and performed still in love with you mm. you know like, that you can't tell me that wasn't a dope moment I actually don't remember remember, remember that moment I'll I, take you I'll on take YouTube. okay I'll take your word for it there but, was a wrestling episode I can't remember it though the Bushwhackers. You can't hate the Bushwhackers. no I don't listen it was the Bushwhackers. I don't hate the Bushwhackers, Waldo, but that Geraldo Faldo. He was a dumbass, but anyway. <laughs> that was his character. I know he was a dumbass, but he was a gifted chef. But still, but, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but we're going all over the place. But, 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 but let me go back to Steve, and then we'll, we'll, we'll unpack these one by one. Then you had Steve Urkel. He created a, a, a goddamn teleportation device where he, where he teleports the whole family and himself to France. To fucking France, and where where he as as Stefan Urkel, we'll get into him in a second. He proposes to Laura Winslow, and you want let me tell you something else too. That 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 really that really go ahead. I'll tell you something else that really get that really gets my goat about this show, right? Gets your what? That really gets my goat about this show. Gets your goat. Yeah, my beans gets your goat. Go ahead. Yeah, you got Steve Urkel. This motherfucker, who's so who's apparently so brilliant, he he he's a brilliant master inventor. He shouldn't even be in high school. He should he, sh- he should be working for MIT and NASA. He should be patenting. He should. He be- did end up going to that Na- going to NASA. Oh yeah, I remember that final episode. Towards, uh, yeah, well, yeah. it was it was bad. It was during Bad Harry episode. So right, and 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 he sh- he should have been he should have been patenting his his inventions. He should have created like Urkel Stark Industries. He should have been a goddamn billionaire. But but Could what does happen- he do? What does he do? He spends nine motherfucking seasons crushing hard, standing hard, worshiping. At the feet of his unrequited cl- crush until the final season, Laura See, Lee they, Winslow. And, hold on, hold on. 
He did have Myra. Let me tell you something right now. Myra was. Listen, you, hold on. Hold on. You Myra, Myra, Boutros, Boutros, Monkhouse was fine. She yeah, was. She was uh, God rest her soul, but God rest her soul, Michelle Thomas, R.I.P. She but, was. Yeah, she. She was bad. Yo, she was my hot nerd crush, <laughs> and you know I don't mean I don't mean to be lewd over here, but yo, her chess game was on point. How you doing? But yo, <laughs> but yo, she was my hot nerd crush. I loved Myra Monkhouse, and you know what? And that's and that was one, that was one of my other big problems with Steve Urkel. She had Myra Monk. He had Myra Monkhouse, who loved him, loved him not for his looks or his attire, but she loved him for who he was. Right. He loved him. She loved him for his brains, his intellect, his 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 earnestness. And, and he still wanted Laura. And, and that, that was the, that was the true. And that, that was the true love. No, no, that wasn't true love. It bothers the fuck out of me. Yeah. It bothers the fuck out of me that that she that Urkel had this perfect woman made just for him. Made just for him, who was a, she, a hot she nerd. Did she die like during the show? No, she died after the show ended. Was it after the show ended? Yeah. Okay. But wait, but that was when she got sick with the cancer, though. So she had yeah. to leave the show. Yeah, she did. So she, yeah. You kind of had to. No, no, but 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 here's my thing. Myra was the perfect character for him, and who who you know who accepted his flaws, how annoying, how aggressively irritating he was. And 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 she took him for who he was. And Stephen Urkel, he crushed her heart. He he was like you know, and and for a time you know he was feeling feeling Myra as he should. Yeah. But then he was like, oh, but my heart is with Laura Lee Winslow. I used to the, nail the, Urkel's voice. I used to nail Urkel's voice before like puberty hit. Did <laughs> I do that? Look yeah. what you the did. The only per- only person who can do, who can cause thousands of dollars of damages in your house is still make sexual advantages on your daughter. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know what? And the fact that he fell in love with Laura, and then Laura eventually yeah, gave eventually in. Came in. Yeah. Okay. First of all, let me tell you something right now. You know what? That just proves. You know what? That proves. That's like the for. That's like Forrest Gump. That actually proves that eventually you can get out the friend zone. <sighs> yeah, it ends up too late. Like in Forrest Gump, you know, she ended up catching AIDS and stuff, and you're like, you know what? Let me just entrap him because he became a millionaire at the time. Let me just entrap him, have his kid. Well, have his age, baby. You know. <laughs> well, that's a cynical view. That's a cynical view. I don't think. But she am I? Am I right? I mean, you're right in 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 many of those respects, and the fact that he technically does have AIDS, I guess. Uh, but and the kid too. But but anyway, we're we're, we're getting too dark here. Trapped him. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Uh, ghetto logic. But but yeah, he. Uh, but then, the, but the fact that but he was crushing on Laura. Laura was rebuffing his advances for years upon years upon years, and then she falls in love falls in love with him. Come the fuck on! In real life, she should have filed a goddamn restraining order. <laughs> you know, don't come don't come to my motherfucking house within five hundred goddamn feet. And and here's another thing too that pisses me off about Stephen Urkel. This motherfucker caused. Thousands upon thousands, maybe. Hu- I just said that. <laughs> I-, I was gonna get to that. Like you said, he caused hundreds of thousands of dollars in property damage. Right. And mind you, Carl Otis Winslow was a Chicago police officer. You mean to tell he me? Ill insurance plan. Home insurance. He, plan. yo, he must have had the illest insurance plan ever. But you mean to tell me that with this motherfucker coming in your house, causing mad property damage, blowing holes in your roof, holes in your wall, and all this, you mean to tell me that sh- that Carl? He couldn't. He couldn't round up his his fellow a small group of his fellow corrupt, dirty cop Chicago PD people. Abducted. He didn't mess with the dirty cops. No, no, he couldn't. He, he, he no, no, no. You know, he didn't mess with the dirty cops because remember the one, the episode when um the dirty cop pulled over his son. 
Oh, that's right. I remember. I do remember that episode. Yeah. And exactly. He, and he, he get, had school. Yeah, he he did school him, but I'm saying because because of you know because of institutional racism in the police department and all that, you think Carl Carl Wisdom he could have he could have gotten his boy Lieutenant Murtaugh and a, and a few of their crooked cops to round to abduct Steve Urkel from the, from his house at the dead of night. They could have shot. They could have dumped mad clips in his body, dumped his body into a vacant lot, and nobody will be able to pin the case on him. Carl he as a Chicago cop he he could have done that shit. You mean something? You, you want you want to come into my house? He had integrity, but you want, I, I I say I see why he didn't do it, but I would understand. I understand why he w- should have done it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, kind of glad he didn't. Right. Have a good show. I'm just saying that you caused mad property damage and, and you tried to hit on my daughter. Nah, nah, motherfucker. No, I'm gonna dump your body in a motherfucking vacant lot. <laughs> And he could have done that too. Oh, and, and and then and then and then and then and then right. And then you mentioned the Bushwhackers episode, right? That was one of the dumbest episodes because I don't remember. I don't remember the Bushwhackers. I don't remember the Bushwhackers. Well, well, the whole context was that apparently, um, I guess Carl and Steve they they accidentally uh, drugged uh, the, the the tag team that was supposed to fight the Bushwhackers, and so they had to take their place. Okay, and have, so I, have to, I would have to revisit that one. And so the match became a shoot. When the Bushwhackers found out that Carl was a cop, and the Bushwhackers hate cops, so they ended up going into a full-on shoot on 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 Carl and Steve, and their lives were in actual danger. <laughs> and then, oh my gosh! And then Steve Urkel. Let me tell you something. Were you a fan of Steve Urkel? Did you like him as a character? I I wasn't a fan. I mean, I kind of got tormented because kids used to tell me I looked like him back in the day. Shut your mouth. But shut up. I can see it. Fuck you. <laughs> put some put some spectacles on suspenders. Like you can pull oh, it off. It. Yeah, I used to do that. Um, I don't know. I just kind of dealt. I just kind of dealt with it because I just mm. enjoyed the show just entire. I enjoyed that whole TGIF lineup. Yeah. Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Step by Step, which was mm-hmm. a modern day Brady Bunch at the time. Yeah. And dinosaurs. Oh yeah. Um, but he, but here here's another. Shut up, Edmund. <laughs> but but here's the thing though. Uh, about about um about about. Steve Urkel. I found him irritating as fuck. He was, I mean, he was a pop culture icon of the 90s, but, and he even had his own cereal. But god damn it, he was fucking annoying. Do the Urkel. Do the Urkel. What the, what, what the, what the fuck is the Urkel? What, what the fuck is the Urkel dance? What, the, what, 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 what is this shit? He was a he had no he was a nerd he had no rhythm he probably he actually probably he actually like nailed that the f- that was on some like Pee Wee Herman having an epileptic seizure what the fuck was that man and, and yes that, Edmund dinosaurs was a shit it it was it was a shit and um I'll um I'll get into dinosaurs well dinosaurs was it was a good show I, I like dinosaurs but the but you gotta admit you remember the series finale of dinosaurs how I, depressing it was no I do not oh man well well I'll I'll, I'll get into that in a second but uh. Yep. See, even Edmonds said you did nail it. <laughs> you did nail it. <laughs> you see, you see that ridiculous. That means you didn't have to have rhythm to do it. And I bet you, with hip hop being what it is, that that Urkel dance could come back in a major way and it'll be another dance fad. I would not be surprised. Possibly, just have some little kid do it to a trap beat, and you're good. Yeah, and 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 then what, there's one more thing about Family Matters that that I really didn't like: the fact Stefan Urkel. So Laura doesn't. So Laura's been, you know, she doesn't like Steve Urkel. She's been rebuffing his advances for years. And then this, when this motherfucker drinks this cool juice, I mean, and here's another thing: he was a fucking DNA engineer. He could have oh, another thing, mad scientist thing. He drinks this cool juice, and then he becomes Stefan Urkel, which is basically like 
uh, a hip version of Steve. Yeah, basically like Jaleel White, just like amped up a bit for TV. And so he starts. He starts talking mad, mad suave, mad smooth. He starts dressing better. He, his posture is better. He and then Laura Lee. Then Laura Lee Winslow falls in love with him because he's confident and he doesn't sound See, like a nerd. Brand, even Brandon was like, "Yo, Stefan was the shit." But but here but here's my but here's my problem with the As whole character. As I grew older, that's when people was like, "Okay, you don't look like Steve now. You look like Stefan." I'm like, mm-hmm. but but the like thing was like, Gary. he was the same person. He was basically the same person. So basically. Like if if Steve Urkel if if he just cha- if he switched up his attire and you know started you know getting better posture Laura could would have fallen in love with him. Come on now, and then and then and then here's another here's another reason why Family Matters is so god we goddamn ridiculous. The motherfucker clones himself. He cr- he clones himself so yeah. there so there's a Stefan Urkel Stefan Urkel See, clone running you. around. Brandon, Brandon just missed it. The Bruce Lee episode was funny as hell. The Bruce Lee episode was dumb as fuck. I mean, it was funny at the time when I was a kid, but it's dumb as fuck, man. You got to admit. You got to admit. You know what? I will watch it on Hulu. Is it available on Hulu now? No, September 29th. September 29th. And, and, there was, there was one other thing, too, that, that bothered me about Family Matters as well. All right. Um, oh, man, I, I got so many things. Oh, towards... <laughs> Oh, I, I gotta hear this. What was this? What's this? Brandon said he sounds jaded because of shallow bitches. <laughs> Why you say that, Brandon? What? What? What, 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 is, what is that? What does that even yo, mean? Yo, please skip over. It. Don't, don't even try. Don't even <laughs> any, any, it. Anyway, like here's 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 the one thing that really gets under my skin. This is one of the reasons why Family Matters d- doesn't hold up. You have. You have like at the end of every every episode. You know how at the end of every uh, at, the, at the at the end of every episode, not just for Family Matters, but for many sitcoms, where you had the lesson episode, where you where you have somebody, you know, providing the lesson or the moral of the story, and you hear that cheesy, schmaltzy, manipulative piano music playing in the background okay. as as they're delivering their you know their lesson of the day. Everybody every time. Every time, no, no, no. Every time I heard that in Family Matters, I just, cri- I physically cringed because it was shameless emotional manipulation. You didn't have to shamelessly emotionally manipulate your viewers. We get the lesson, as heavy-handed as it may be. Got it. You don't. You didn't have to play that schmaltzy piano music in the background. And it, 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 it made. It, I can't wait to re-listen to this. <laughs> me too. Like it it, <laughs> it, it, it made it made. Family Matters episodes unwatchable at that point where I had to stop or press the mute button because I couldn't stand that those moments. It was too schmaltzy and cheesy. It's like, man, these movies these moments give me diabetes. And you know what? Here's here's another question about Family Matters. Whatever happened to their youngest daughter, Judy Winslow? They wrote her off the I just read an article about it too and I completely forgot. But um because it was a Miller Boy yet production. <laughs> mm. Yeah, thank you. Amelia a lot of them had that shit. Um. Yeah, they did write. They did write her off. But didn't she come back? No, she never came she back. Did. She never came. No, she just went to her room and she never came back down. And they never acknowledged her. They never acknowledged that they even had a daughter. Oh yeah, that is true. She ended up doing porn. Yeah, she did. Unfortunately, um, I mean, because of I think her parents kind of fleeced her her the, off the money she made off the show, and then she as she got older, she she became a porno pornographic actress by the name of Crave. And yes, she did grow up to be pretty. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I give her that. Yeah, but yeah. man, what a what a come down though. Yeah. Oh God, you ever see Maya Campbell? Oh, oh yeah, I've heard her From story. In the house. Ooh. Yeah, I heard it's like she, she was battling about mental illness as well. Yeah. Yeah, that she's was. She's all she's all jacked up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, I mean, 
like Jamie Foxworth, who who uh, played a uh, who played Judy. It's like I wish they gave her like a, a proper finale. Like maybe, maybe she, she just comes down to him like, "Hey, where you been? I was in my room." Yeah, something like that, <laughs> or like, or maybe she died at, at one of Steve Urkel's inventions. Something, you know. I got it. All right. What's your other? What's your other shows? All right. Yeah. You're, so. you're, you're like you're getting tired. You're gonna get end up getting tired before you reach your other shows. I, I know, but but yeah, I just had a lot to say about Family Matters you did. because you know a lot of people like it, but like I said, every it sitcom had a lesson learned except Seinfeld. Yeah, because Seinfeld. Yeah, because Seinfeld was admittedly, as they say, a show about nothing. Yeah. Mm. But uh, but yeah, that's 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 my spiel on Family Matters. Uh, if if you you might it's still it might still be a beloved show among our people, among many fans. But you know what? It really doesn't hold up. Trust me. Uh, a couple other shows that don't that start that started great but ended up turning shitty. These are more modern examples. Uh, one show that epitomizes that for me is Dexter. Have you never seen? watched that. Never watched Dexter, but go ahead. All right, Dexter was a show that lasted eight seasons. Stars Michael C. Hall. He plays a serial killer who kills other killers, and he's like a forensic scientist in his day day job. Um, the first four seasons were awesome. The first four seasons were on point, and the and the fourth season was the best one. That starred uh, John Lithgow as the Trinity Killer from Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, he plays a serial killer on that. He plays the, the Trinity Killer, and he was actually the best villain on the show. And uh, each each of the seasons has has different villains. And you know, Dexter, you know, his sister Deborah, she's a detective. Uh, played I forget the actress who plays her, but like she. She's a she's one of the main characters on the show, um, and and like and like uh, you know the 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 show the show was the show had a good premise right. Mm-hmm. The first four seasons are good, but then season five onwards the the show really dipped in quality, and and I will say that and this is kind of a spoiler for for the fourth. Well, Kyle says best show ever. Well, he, he said, Carl, tell him don't disrespect the goat show. What's the goat show? Greatest of all time. I know. I know what goat, what goat stands for, but what does he mean? What is he referring to? He's talking to? about Dexter. No, no, no. I, I gotta say, season four. They should have ended it at season four because I'm gonna spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Because you know, why? Why not? Okay, season four ends with uh, Dexter. He 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 gets one. He gets one over the Trinity Killer, but he comes home to find his wife Rita dead in his bathtub so she's like the final victim so that kind of shows how dexter's own you know crime fighting crusade being a serial killer who murders other criminals catches up with him now season five it starts to dip where he he gets a he gets a new girlfriend uh played by julia styles this character lumen and it's like a really redundant season where it's like oh yeah dexter can't really find love because of who he is and he's going to get people close to him killed okay season six becomes worse where it stars colin hanks and uh, Edward James almost as like this like quasi mentor student um, mentor student serial killer relationship, and it, and it becomes a Fight Club situation where Colin Hanks is imagining Edward James almost as his mentor. It turns out that that Edward James almost doesn't exist. That Colin Hanks is, has has been the killer the whole time, and it was a really dumb fucking season. That was that was probably the, like, the worst season on record. Season seven actually actually go actually uh, returns to form. Where um, where L- Lieutenant Guerta, played by Lauren Velez, who was on New York Undercover, she plays. I, love, uh, I still got a crush on her today. Yeah, you know she's a twin. Yeah, 
Yeah, but but she but she's fine. She she is hot. But she's she and she's a terrific actress. Like uh, she plays a, a lieutenant uh, Guerta, and she becomes captain. And she starts to suspect that Dexter is uh, the Bay Harbor Butcher, or the which is the moniker that they give uh, Dexter. She finds out that Dexter is the killer. At the end of season seven, Lieutenant Guerta is killed by by De- by Dexter's sister Deborah to, in order to cover her tracks, to cover his tracks. And so season eight continues the quality, but halfway through season eight, the show nosedives. Where it be- it takes some stupid ass directions. Where at the end, Dexter's sister Deborah gets killed, and well, she doesn't get killed. She she gets she she t- she takes a slug to the stomach, and she she un- she uh, she ends up falling into this med- medical coma, and then she dies when a blood clot from her stomach wound reaches her brain and she dies. And so Dexter, what what does he do? He takes his he takes his sister Deborah out of the hospital, and what does he do? He he disposes her like he did all his victims by taking her all the way out into Miami Bay and dumping her body, dumping her body overboard and sinking her into the depths below. And then he rides into a hurricane, and then the show ends. The show ends with him working as a lumberjack. That's it. That's it. That was, I mean, that was the dumbest, that was one of the dumbest fucking finales I've ever seen because, A, he was never caught, uh, and he was never caught by, by any, any of the other cops, and two, the couple of other cops that did suspect him or did eventually learn his truth, they were like, eh, that's all right, that's fine. Fuck Dexter. You know what? I'm more mad at myself because I should have stopped at season four and I should have listened to Aris because I think Aris stopped at season five because that's when he said that the show became garbage. I should I should have really listened listen to him because because I stuck with with all eight seasons, and the show lost a lot of goodwill for me with those with with those especially the with the last with the last four seasons especially the season finale that season finale was trash, and it definitely tarnished the the whole show for me. So for me, Dexter is one of the is on my list of worst shows, a show that had great promise that was great. And then it ended up being shitty. I see these DVDs at Walmart, but I was like, I just never, I never even watched it. Yeah, don't bother. Like, I, I will say, watch the first four seasons and then pretend season four was the series finale and then go about the rest of your, your day. <laughs> All right, so what's next for you? Um, another show that, uh, that I used to like, but, uh, but then when I, when I think about it more and more, it gets me mad and it makes me ma- angrier that I spent many years invested in it. Was lost. I didn't watch Lost either. Yeah, you're on you're on that boat alone. Lost. Uh, it, it was a show that had uh, a few excellent seasons. Like the first two seasons were great. Um, Facebook oh. Live is kind of popping right now. They kind of having their own little conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um, um talking about New York Undercover. Um. Mm. Luke Cage, yeah, you, yeah. Eddie says New York Undercover was fire until they killed off the white and Spanish guy. Yeah, yeah, and yep. You, yep. And when, then they threw Tommy in there. Yeah, Once they threw Tommy in there. I was like, that was it. Yeah, R.I.P. Thomas Michael Ford. Yeah, mm. yeah, I agree. That was that was one because New York. He, under- ended up like, he ended up getting a job. He did. Tommy <laughs> ended up getting a job. I was like, okay, that's he, <laughs> that's why he couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> he was a he was a detective, but uh. In but, New York, when Martin took place in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, New York, New York undercover. Like in the, at the end of the third season, when they killed off Michael DeLorenzo's character Eddie Torres, they killed off the whole show. I hold, I totally agree. Yeah, but um, but I pretend that the fourth season never happened, and I pretend that that I pretend like with 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 New York undercover, I pretend that the series ended when uh, Eddie Torres and his uh, his lady, I forget, it, I forget it, it was Lauren Velez's character, I forget her yeah. name. 
Um, I, it was a scene when they got married finally. I pretend that that's when the series ended. ended. That's the final scene. Cut. You don't have to watch anything else after that. But yeah, but but getting back to Lost, Lost is another series where it, it was it, it was built as like this mystery show, where you had all these characters. Uh, they 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 their plane crash lands on this mysterious island, with, which has all these weird sci-fi, uh, fantastical energies and powers that happen. So basically, what was that? What was that show? Land of the Lost. Kind of, kind of, but not. It does, it's not a time travel tale. Well. Oh, okay. It kind of is technically, uh, but but the whole show like it raised a whole bunch of questions, and it was a really and it had it had awesome characters. I give it that, but the, my problem with the show Lost was that it built itself as a mystery. It raised like thirty questions per episode, and then like every for every question that it answered, it would raise thirty more questions, and then then towards the final season. It turned out that many of the mysteries about the island turned out to be like either red herrings or stuff that just wasn't really that important at all. Yeah, John John Aponig and Jess do agree with you. Yeah. And then the final episode left the bad taste in my mouth where they not only kill off the rest of the uh, minority or, peop- or co- people of color characters, the ethnic characters, um, but uh, it ends where it turns out that... Um, the 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 flashbacks in 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 the in this in the final season because in Lost you you learn about the characters through through their flashbacks in the present day when they're on the island. It turns out it turns out that that the flashbacks in in season six, the final season of Lost, were actually not flashbacks at all. They took place in the afterlife, and the final scene was where Jack died. He discovers that he wasn't a, it wasn't a flashback. That Jack discovers that he was actually dead too, and they all ended ended up in this church. They all ended up in this church. They all reunite, and then like somebody opens the church doors, and all this light comes pouring in, and then that's it. That's how the show ends. It didn't really answer any of the greater mysteries about the island. It didn't answer any mysteries about the others that inhabited inhabited the island long before the people crash landed. Uh, and 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 it definitely showed how Damon Lindelof is poison when it comes to uh, writing, when it comes to writing. Period. Because Anytime I see Damon Lindelof's name on something, I refuse to watch it. <laughs> yeah, because Damon Lindelof will take something that's a straightforward narrative. He'll include a bunch of unnecessarily convoluted bullshit to make it nonsensical and, and frustrating. Like he'll, in- he'll introduce a lot of plot holes into an otherwise initially tight screenplay. The most perfect example of that besides Lost was the film Prometheus. Prometheus should not have should not have been disappointing, but Damon Lindelof, oh, he 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 rubbed his tank all over that shit. Was, um, Prometheus that was supposed to be a prequel to Alien, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and man, Lost was a fucking disappointment at the end. And you know what? I I'm I'm more mad at myself because I actually bought all the DVD sets. Some. Oh, I, I sold them a long time oh, ago, okay. long long ago. But but man, that was a show that. I shouldn't have wasted like six a good six years of my life. Wasn't um another one that pissed you off? Heroes. Heroes. I've only watched like three episodes of the first season, but then I got the sense that this show wasn't gonna last long. Okay, and it didn't. Yeah, and it really didn't. Um, Honestly, the only thing I remember about Heroes is like during one of the commercials they used Nas's "Hero," and I really liked that song at the time. Yeah, that so, is a good song. Um, that's all I remember out of it. I never really got into the show. Yeah. Um. And also, uh, the the last show that really pissed me off at the end was Battlestar Galactica, uh, the the new series with the Edward James almost. 
uh, that show it had really it had excellent writing for like the majority of its run. And it was like it was like a sci-fi series where like the last remnants of humanity are forced to travel throughout space uh, because like their their home planet was destroyed by the by the Cylons. Mm-hmm. And the Cylons are the like these like basically androids, cyborgs. They assume human form. And they're and they're trying to subjugate humanity, the the remnants of humanity. Hold on, I don't mean to interrupt. So Mike yeah. Medina is logged on. Okay. Talking mad junk, but he said, "When will Congo be back on? The Tuesday after SummerSlam. That's when we'll be back on." That's right. That's All right. right. <laughs> so look forward to that episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Battlestar Galactica. Okay, so you have this whole series where the, where the humanity is trying to they're trying to not, not only battle the the Cylons, but they're actually trying to find Earth. And then, and the series supposedly takes place in the far, far distant future where humanity has colonized different planets, mm-hmm. and they're the and the and the main and the main uh, planet, the main home of humanity, which is I think I believe it was a planet called Caprica, it was destroyed by the Cylons. So, so they're trying to so the humanity they're, they're flying through space trying to find this legendary planet called Earth. Mm-hmm. The series ends. The reason why this series leaves a bad taste in my mouth is what, like, throughout the whole series, and not not that this leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but like, one of the big themes about the show is religion, and how re- religion kind of clashes with science, and it's like, and it was, and it, and it definitely yielded a lot of very interesting questions, uh-huh. which which I really appreciated, but the series ends where humanity discovers Earth, they finally discover Earth, but then it turns out that the Earth they discover was actually prehistoric. So technically, Battlestar Galactica takes place during the prehistoric era, and and the last remnants of humanity actually gave birth to modern day humans, us, and 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 then it, then the show fast forwards millions of millions and millions of years into the present day, where you see the Cylons. Um, you don't know if they're real or imagined. They're walking down the streets in New York, and they're like, "Well, it's it's a cycle. It's a cyclical thing. Humanity will 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 create technology, and then and then it will be their downfall all over again. And the cycle begins anew. And that's how the show ended. Ended. And then and then mind you, when the humans when the when humanity discovered the prehistoric Earth, they took their remaining technology, all their ships, all their technology, all their computers and whatnot, cures for diseases. Flew them right into the sun, because they just, they thought that they thought that hey you know what technology got us this far but you know what it was more trouble than it's worth because of the Cylons so we're gonna start fresh we're gonna destroy all te- all remaining technology. The whole and and, and then and, and then there was one character played by Katie Sackoff, who uh, what? Katie Sackoff okay, who plays this 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 badass fighter pilot I forget I forget her name I think it was Kyra I believe her name is Kyra. She plays a character who a, a badass fighter pilot who disappears at the end of like one of the the either the third or fourth season, and then she comes back mysteriously, like like she comes back from from a from an incident where which which would have killed anybody. Her her ship basically blows up. In the end, she just disappears. In the end, like she's talking she's talking with one of the other characters, and then like he's talking to her. Like she's standing right beside him on 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 prehistoric Earth, and then he turns around to like survey the horizon, and then he's talking. Then when he's talking, he turns back to his right, and then Katie Sackhoff is nowhere to be found. She just disappears, like she just vanishes. So it, it implies that she at this whole time she was just an imaginary character. Man, now that, now that I'm talking about it, Battlestar Galactica, man, that was a stupid fucking finale too. 
that 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 was another great example of how you had a you had an initially great show with great writing and great performances, and then the writers and the creators somehow they got lost. They they disappeared up their own collective asses and thought that man we're gonna end with in a profound profound life is cyclical life is cyclical man message. Get the fuck out of here. That show that show was fucking bullshit. God damn. That show has like a huge like cult fan like following. It does have a huge following. Um and and you know for fairly good reason because the characters and the writing for like the earlier seasons are is very very good. Okay. But the but the finale shit on everything that came before it. Yeah, it was, that happens. Yeah, it was a waste of my fucking time. <laughs> so, um so that's that's why now that I think about it, I am hoping, I wishing and I'm not a religious man, but I'm even praying that Game of Thrones does not fall fall under the same fate. So far, good. So far, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Knock on wood, man. We got one season to go. We got one season to go. Yeah. And this season has been amazing. It has. It certainly has. So yeah, those are my those are my shows, man. Okay, it actually wasn't as bad as I thought. Other than the Family Matters, it yeah. wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. And uh, and I'm sure many people agree with me about Family Matters. And if you do, Some. S- send us send us your email at codexprimepodcast at gmail dot com. All right. Now we are gonna get into the question of the week. Last week's uh, question of the week was name a movie that traumatized you as a kid. Okay. Um. So let and this one this one actually got like a whole bunch of response. So um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You know for checking out the social medias. So we'll start off on Instagram. John Haponic says, Transformers from 1986. I was particularly devastated seeing Ratchet get killed. I didn't understand why they kill an ambulance. Then seeing other Autobots get killed in a variety of ways was just disturbing to watch as a five, six-year-old kid. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Jessica Concussion says, Child's Play. My grandmother owned many dolls, too. Too many. (laughs) Hashtag difficult to sleep over. <laughs> Shanae Well says killer clowns creep me out. Mm, oh, killer clowns, clowns from outer space. I believe, yeah, yeah, that was a freaky movie. Um, Mick D Twist underscore TM says Stephen King's It scared me shitless. <laughs> and uh, Don Kelly, who was uh, here last week with um, with with our guests, yeah, Drew Kelly and Curtis Parvin, right. He said, the trailer for Magic with Anthony Hopkins as a ventriloquist dummy freaked me out in the 70s. Never saw the movie, but I leave the room or change the channel when the commercial came on. Oh, wow. Now I want to see that. Of course you do. Yeah. So now I'll go to the, uh, co- to the Codex uh, Facebook. All right. Uh, friend of the show, Ed Figueroa from The Party Nerd said, saw for sure. I think it was, the, I think the first or the third Leprechaun movie as well. Mm. Saw that was just my birthday movie for like a while, probably like the first three. Yeah, I saw the first two Saw movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Salinger says Phantasm. Mm. I haven't seen that one. Okay, Catherine Vachon says Cutting Class. I haven't seen that one either. Jelena Witted also says It. <laughs> and Chris Revel says Return to Oz. Mm. Yeah, Return to Oz is it's a bizarre film. Really bizarre. So now I end up posting. The, I end up posting the question of the week on my on my personal uh, page. All right. So Remy Jones said, "My dad made me watch the movie 
about Jesus when I was a kid and I was traumatized when they beat him and nailed him to the cross. Scariest thing I've ever saw since. So I think it was like, I think I was like eight or something. I thought about those days. I thought about it for days after that. And it wasn't the Passion of the Christ. It was another one. Hmm. Hmm. So um, Nyla, my old neighbor, says Candyman. <laughs> or that one and The Dentist. Oh, yeah. Um, the Dentist. I think it was Dr. Giggles. Possibly. Yeah, I, I do remember Dr. Giggles. Yeah. Tom Robinson said um, Candyman. That bathroom, sca- that bathroom scene scared me. Afton, friend of the show, says Gremlins. Oh. <laughs> Gizmo was the shit. Yeah, Gizmo, Gizmo was cute. Um, Eddie Ortiz says Night of the Living Dead, the mm. original black and white. Yep. Yeah. And Brandon, Brandon Fernandez says Arachnophobia. Mm. Also, um, James Abowitz also said Arachnophobia. Okay. No, oh, really good answers. All right. So this week. What was your all-time favorite TV theme song? Oh. All-time favorite TV theme song. Yeah. Man. Hmm. There's so many, and I really yeah. can't think of just one, but uh, why don't you take this one? I, I got I to gotta sit right. and think about it. X-Men. Oh, yeah, of course. You cannot get that. You have to, like, hum it. You have to hum it. You, you, I mean, Saturdays at eleven o'clock. You once once you heard that, mm-hmm. once you heard that first thing, you're, you're running to the TV. Yeah, especially during the Phoenix Saga. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I had the X Men theme song as my ringtone for a while. And I'm I'm not mad at that. Yeah, yeah, man. Back when I had my uh my uh Motorola Razor phone. <laughs> Yeah. Wasn't that the last phone that you got before this one? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I was stubbornly against the smartphone revolution until we started the podcast. <laughs> uh, Brandon, Brandon says Samurai Pizza Cats. Oh yeah. You like yeah. that theme song? Okay. Yeah, that was a charming one. Uh, James Bo- James Bond Jr. I do remember James Bond Jr. <laughs> okay, I remember. Yeah. Oh man. Go ahead. You know you want to see the Gummy Bears theme song. Gummy bears? Yeah. I don't I don't it's actually kinda catchy. Like if you hear it, it will get stuck in your head for like an hour. Mm. Um uh favorite theme song. I don't know if, I don't know about all time, but I do have a few. I really liked the theme song for Doug. You know, do 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 Yeah, that, that was that was a the shit. The OG Power Rangers theme song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you couldn't go wrong with that one ever. Yeah. Uh Let's see, uh, the uh, Spider-Man cartoon in the, in the 90s. That was a good one. Had a really cool one. Um, of course, The Simpsons. You know, that, that classic. That's just iconic. Oh, yeah. That Brandon day. says Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, yeah. I do remember. I, I liked Alvin and the Chipmunks when I was in kindergarten. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, man, what were some other ones? Of course, the theme for Rocco's Modern Life. Um, there was two of them. Yeah, there, there were two themes. I like the first one better. Okay. Yeah. Um, tofu by the beat. <laughs> and Doug. <laughs> Killer Tofu. Oh, we, oh. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. That, okay, that was a good theme song. Mm-hmm. Chippendales. Oh, yeah, that was a good theme song. I remember I, I used to be geeked about that when I was in kindergarten. Oh, and of course. Tailspin. Tail. Fucking right. Oh, Tailspin, yes. Ninja Turtles is iconic. Of course. And DuckTales. <laughs> yeah. 
Life is like a hurricane. Oh. Party Nerds actually did. I got to send yeah. you that video where they did it. Mm-hmm. Darkwing Duck was... Yeah, Darkwing Duck was the shit, too. Yeah, I liked Darkwing Duck. Yeah, Man. Dark, you can't even... Yo, you, you cannot dump on you the 90s really, no, when it comes to theme songs. Like, yeah, like, you can't, you can't just say one. Mm, you really can't. Oh, Goof Troop. That was another one. Goof Troop, yeah. Yeah. Goof Troop was a good one. Man. That was good. Well, that will be on the uh, social medias within the next few days. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, send them in. Email us your thoughts on anything that Victor and I had to say on our shows at CodexPrimePodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Also, you can get at, get at us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yep. Um, we got to get back on Twitch. We yeah. We really do. Um, YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. We're everywhere. Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, you can find us. Uh, you mentioned SoundCloud, iTunes? SoundCloud and iTunes. Yep. And Google, Google Play. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, we... Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And uh, yeah, um, also another unofficial question of the week um, from you know from our our topic of this week. What's uh, what are some shows that you liked back in the day, but now you're kind of like, eh, does it really hold up? Uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts at CodexPrimePodcast at gmail uh, Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, watching us on Facebook Live, listening to SoundCloud. Uh, you can catch us next week around six p.m. ish next Tuesday. We got another episode for y'all. And, uh, yeah, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. And really, Family Matters does not hold up. Shut up. It, it, It does not.